This is the Worth Recovery Podcast, featuring women and addiction. Welcome back to another episode of the Worth Recovery Podcast. My name is Amy. I am your host here. I am a sex addict, sex and love addict, and I've been sober since December 2nd of 2012. And I'm excited to be back with you with another episode today. Um, This episode is particularly poignant to me in my life right now because the last few months, I would say actually more like the last year probably, I have felt super stuck, super stuck. I don't feel like I've been able to move forward on so many of the things that I want to do in my life, with my life. I just have felt super stuck. Um, I know I've been there in places before in my recovery where I have felt super stuck and I haven't been able to move forward. Maybe you've had that moment where you just feel super stuck and no matter what you seem to try, no matter what you seem to do, you're just unable to move forward or get the traction or um, make the changes that you want in your life. Now, I mentioned this to a friend of mine probably maybe six, eight months ago, maybe even a little bit longer. And she told me a quote that she had heard or someone had told her. I don't remember where she got it. But she shared with me this quote that had really had meaning in her life. And she said, you're not stuck because you can't. You're stuck because you won't. You're not stuck because you can't. You're stuck because you won't. And I'll tell you, when she told me that, I was not really happy. I mean, in the moment, I I think I held my cool. I hope I held my cool. I mean, she didn't say I didn't, so hopefully that's the case. But I bristled and I was angry. I couldn't pick that up. I wouldn't pick that up. Use the word would, right? Well, I won't, but I wouldn't pick it up. I was just like, that is not true. That is so not true. This is not about me and not wanting to move forward. Of course I want to move forward, right? I, this isn't me like, you know, not doing things. Of course I'm trying things. I just can't. I, for whatever reason, I can't make it work. I was stuck because I can't. I simply couldn't do it. I couldn't make the forward progress that I desperately wanted to make. And there was just too much being asked of me. There was trauma in my past. There was family turmoil currently going on. There's depression. There's fatigue. There's just too much to do. There's trauma therapy I'm working through. There's all sorts of things going on. And I just can't handle it all. I can't make the progress that I want to. Um, I continued this dialogue with myself for months. Like, well, others have more privilege of things that I don't, right? This particular friend um, has a lot of family money inheritance that that they had. And so I was just like, yeah, sure. It's easy for you to say you won't do things because you have this huge financial resource that I don't have, right? So I can't move forward because I don't have that huge financial resource that you have. Um, I can't move forward because of other things that are happening in my life, right? Or around me or with people in my life. This isn't a matter of won't. I continued, like I said, that dialogue for months, 
months. And it seemed like it kept coming up over and over again. Every time I was like, oh, I just can't get it done. I don't have the time. I just can't do it. And in my head, that phrase would come up. You're not stuck because you can't. You're stuck because you won't. And again, I would come up with everything to reinforce the fact that I was right. I can't. Like I said, other people have more things than I do, right? They're more pretty. They have partners. They have kids. They have less trauma. They have less turmoil. They have more money. I I could come up with all sorts of reasons on why other people might be able to move forward on things. And I just can't. For months, like I said, I think it's pretty probably been eight months or maybe even closer to a year. I've told myself these things. And yet, in the back of my head, there was this nagging drumbeat saying, you won't, you won't, you won't, you won't. Then, just a few weeks ago, I had a coaching call um, with a client. So I was working with this client, and I was talking with them, and they had had a significant relapse. And they just kept saying, I just feel stuck. Like, I just can't move forward. I feel so stuck. And was kind of explaining this relapse to me. And so I asked her, I said, well, did you call anyone and talk about it? No, she said. Did you write about it, what you were struggling with? Were you, you know, doing some writing? No. Uh, Did you look at your first aid kit that we had made together? No, didn't even occur to me. Did you try any of the tools that we've been working on? No, no, I didn't. do you have a list of things that you can try in these situations. Did you try any of those? Anything from that list? No, she said, I didn't, I didn't try anything. Why didn't you try any of them? I just, I just couldn't, she said. I just can't. I, I just can't do it. And in my head, in the back of my head, I'm thinking, you won't try them. I didn't say that to her, of course, right? I didn't say that. But as she's talking and as she's giving these excuses to me about why she relapsed and how she can't make recovery work, in my back of my mind, I'm hearing this thought of, no, you won't try them. You won't try to make recovery work. And then it hit me. Me either. Me either. The progress that I want to make I won't do the things that I could be doing. I won't do the things I need to be doing. I won't sacrifice the things that need to be sacrificed. I won't stop doing the things that need to be stopped. And I won't stop finding excuses. And that was a hard pill to swallow, let me tell you. Because I was very comfortable in this space of I can't. I, I can't make that work. I can't do that. So here are some examples. Uh, I want to eat better, but I won't take the time to meal plan or meal prep. I want to move more in my life, but I won't reconstruct my schedule, which I have 100% control over, to allow time for that. Um, I want my house to be a little bit more organized, but I won't put things back. Like, no one lives with me. If things are out of place, it's my fault. I want to take more time off and do more things, Uh, more traveling, visit with friends. But again, like I won't schedule that. I want to podcast more and I won't find the time to make that happen. My life is a really good example of this because I am the only one who can control it. I don't have kids or anyone living at my house to do things. 
um, I don't want to do. I also have 100% control over my schedule at work. Like literally 100%. I get to schedule all of my therapy clients. I get to schedule all of my coaching clients at my convenience. And yet I talk a lot about how my schedule is chaotic. Well, that's, that's my fault. So now, just so you don't believe that I'm bashing myself because I'm not, there are all, a lot of things in my life that have massively changed. So I want to just recognize some of those because I think it can be really quickly, really, this can really quickly escalate into I'm just a terrible person, right? And that's not the case at all. I know that's not the case at all. So for instance, my finances. Now, I grew up in a family with incredibly chaotic finances and I most of my adult life was not really financially stable. But in 2018, I decided I was going to break that. And so I downloaded all these different money programs. I took all these different classes. Um, I read books. I tried all of these different programs for a good amount of time to figure out what landed with me. I found a program that landed and have never felt more financially stable in my entire life. Honestly, my entire life. For the first time, I feel not only financially stable, but I am making progress in a lot of financial areas and I attribute that to the dedication that I did, right? And the time that I took to find the right program and find something that worked and all of that type of stuff. My parents died in hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of debt. I won't do that. I won't even come close to that. And for a long time, I used the excuse that I can't. I can't do this. Like nobody modeled this for me. Like I can't figure out how to make this work. But now I can. I'm really good at it actually and feel very confident about that area of my life. I did the same thing for my business as far as like financial finances go and have had the same results and have been super excited about that. When I started recovery in 2011, I jumped into recovery 100%. I said and did things I never ever thought I could do. Things I said I wouldn't do, things I said I can't do, things I said I couldn't do, and I did them. I did them. I was relating this experience to a friend of mine the other day. I know it might be hard for you to believe or understand because you get the recovery version of me. But prior to recovery, I was not someone who talked at all about the struggles that I was having. Um, I never, never let anybody in far enough to see anything but this facade of I'm good and everything's fine and everything's moving forward and I'm there's nothing wrong with me and that's all that's all I portrayed to people that's all I portrayed to people um, and I I remember like very clearly my therapist talking to me about you have to start talking about the things in your life and the things that you're struggling with and again I was like I can't I can't I can't. I, and, and it was, I won't. I mean, it was, it was both, but I just kept saying like, I can't like that's for other people, but for me, I can't do that. And I, I can, I very clearly remember the day that I decided to try. Um, there was some family issues and drama. It was after my dad passed away and I'd been in recovery maybe six or eight months, eight months. I think it was eight months. And there was some family turmoil going on. And I, I was just, it was eating me up inside and I was starting to get really activated and starting to get really upset. And I just like, I wanted to act out. Like I just knew, like, it's all I wanted to do. That's all I wanted to do. 
And I remember my therapist telling me, like, you've got to talk to someone. And I kept saying, like, who could I talk to? Who could I talk to? Who could I talk to? And so there was this woman that we had met at church and we were kind of a little bit of friends. But I took a big risk and I called her and was like, hey, can I come over and talk about something that's going on for me? And so I went over to her house and I sat on her couch and I sobbed, like ugly cried for like four hours. And she had to make dinner for her kids. So she kept saying like, you can just sit here and she would make dinner and the kids would all come up and hug me because I knew her kids. And, and I just, I mean, it was ugly cry. It was sobbing, like full on sobbing for a good four hours, if not longer. And we were really good friends, our good friends. We were really close for a number of years while I was in Seattle And I still can clearly remember that day and her love and her uh, compassion towards me and what was going on. And, And that was a time when things started to change for me. I started to believe that people cared about me. I started to believe that people were trustworthy. So I've done some hard things in my life, right? When I was in recovery also, I had to start believing that people cared. That meant like I had to call people in the middle of the night when I wanted to act out. That meant I had to be honest about things with the people in my life. Um, I had to cry in front of people. There was a lot of change and there was a lot of results in my life that are so apparent and so different. So I haven't always been resistant or rebellious and had this won't attitude. There's been times around certain areas of things in my life that I've had the, okay, I'm going to take care of this. I'm going to work forward and I'm going to figure this out. But I do feel that with every layer of recovery, every layer of the onion that you peel back as you're trying to heal and trying to figure things out, there's a new layer of can't versus won't in our decision making. Every layer of recovery, right? We have that can't versus won't. I think about when I moved to Utah Um, In Seattle, I was able to immediately plug into a women's group and have some resources and support that I desperately needed in my life. But when I moved to Utah, there was not a women's meeting. There was not a lot of women in recovery. There was not a lot of support there. And I remember telling my sponsor all the time, like, I just like, I can't figure this out and I can't make this work. And I'm so sad that I don't have a women's group and I can't do this and I can't do that. And she kept saying to me over and over again, that sounds like an opportunity, Amy. That sounds like a great opportunity for you, Amy. She kept saying that. That's an opportunity for you, Amy. And it took me a good number of months before I got to the place where I said, okay, okay, okay. So this isn't a can't situation. This is a I won't situation. And I was able to start a women's group and start moving forward in recovery and collect a group of women here that was incredible and that was supportive and did a lot of great things. So as we go through recovery, we hit these layers over and over again of this can't versus won't decision making. So I just want to talk a little bit about that today. What what makes us feel like we can't, right? What gives us that kind of edge to us that's like, I just, I can't make this work. I can't make it work. 
So I, I have some suggestions or some ideas for me that have been there and that I've worked with my clients on. So um, maybe these will relate to you, but maybe you have your own too. So think about this as we go through. So the first one I have written here is like, it hasn't worked in the past. I did that and I still relapsed. So I just, I just can't do it. All right. I did that. I tried that and I still relapsed. And so I, I just can't do it. All right. That's one. Uh, it's too hard. Living, living in reality is just too hard. I can't get divorced. I can't leave, you know, my kids with my husband, right? Like I can't financially support myself. I, I can't do these things. We tell ourselves it's too hard to do life on my own. I can't leave this relationship even though it's not working. Um, I just, I just can't. We tell ourselves things like I can't call and wake someone up in the middle of the night. Like, no, I can't, I can't do that. I mean, they have their own life and they have their own stuff. So I, I can't do that. I can't be a burden on someone by calling them in the middle of the night, even though they've told you you can call in the middle of the night. They've told you they'll turn their ringer off, but I can't do that. Um, sometimes we say things like this distraction is preventing me from being forced to deal with the harder things in my life, right? I can't give that up. If I give that up, then I actually have to deal with the harder things in my life, right? And so we just kind of say to ourselves, like, I can't do it. I'm not going to, I'm not going to stop. I can't do it. Sometimes it's the fear of the unknown, right? I can't do that because I don't know what's going to come next if I do that. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't, you know, if I make this change, if I, if I do this thing, then, then what? Sometimes we have no frame of reference for what a different life might look like. And so we just keep telling ourselves, like, I can't, I can't do it. I can't do it. What that mindset really is, is this victim mindset. The mindset that things happen to me and I don't have control over things. That's what victim mindset is, is that things happen to me that I have no control over it. And let's spend a minute and try to sort this out because a lot of recovery is realizing that things did happen to you, right? This might feel like a contradiction to you. You're like, Amy, I mean, come on. Like things did happen to me, right? And I am a victim. And and that's true. That that could be very, very true. So let's sort this out just for a minute here. A lot of recovery, like I said, is realizing that things did happen to you. You were born into a story that was already happening. Your grandparents, your parents, there was already things happening and you were born into this story that was already going on. You're born and people have expectations of you already as a little tiny infant. And part of recovery, if we really want long-term healing, part of recovery, you must figure out what happened and how that impacted you. And a large part of recovery is figuring out where your control actually lies and what you can do about it and what you can't control and what you didn't control at the beginning. And you've got to figure out what needs to change. The first step out of victim mindset is personal responsibility and accountability. This is where I stare reality straight in the face. That's what personal responsibility is. I stare reality straight in the face and I say, I see you and I see what I can and cannot do. I have these two quotes that I love that kind of talks about this. Um, the first one is M. Scott Peck. He wrote a book called The Road Less Traveled. 
And the quote is, mental health is a commitment to reality at all costs. A commitment to reality at all costs. And then I love the serenity prayer. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. So we have this kind of paradox-ish contradiction issue in recovery. Because things did happen to us. And there were a lot of things that happened to us before, like I said, you're born into a story already happening, right? And so because things were happening to us that maybe weren't acknowledged or realized or we were children and couldn't face them, whatever the situation is, we are, we do sometimes have this victim mindset of, I can't, I can't do that. I can't do that. It could be that the patterns of our past say we can't do this. It's not safe for us to share our emotions with others. It's not safe to be in relationship or it's not safe to be out of relationship. And so I just have to put up with all sorts of things in order to stay in relationship, right? We have these kind of victim thoughts. And the only way that we learn in recovery to move past that is to actually try things, right? And to figure out what we can control, to figure out what happened to us, how that impacted us, and then to stare it straight in the face and figure out what I can control and what I can't control. I remember very clearly, here's an example to try to help you figure this out. I remember very clearly the day I sat in my therapist's office and said, my addiction, my broken relationships, this was inevitable in my life. My life was inevitable. I had just gained a whole lot of insight and information about my parents, about my brothers and sisters, about my grandparents, just kind of that just wound this all up for me and really laid out for me the inevitability of my life. The story I was born into, the skills my parents had or didn't have, the circumstances that were beyond my control created this life that I had been living and it was inevitable. And I remember sitting in her office and just sobbing like this was inevitable. I didn't have control over so many of these pieces, so many of these pieces. And she agreed. She agreed with me. And a massive burden was lifted from my shoulders. Massive. This is acceptance. This was acceptance. I was accepting my life. I was accepting where I was. I was accepting the, like I said, the inevitability of where I happened. And then she sat straight up. Actually, she kind of leaned close over to me. And she said to me, kind of quietly, and what you do from here on out is completely in your control. What you do from here on out is completely in your control. I remember this thrill of excitement going through me of like, right, for the first time, recognizing and accepting all that had happened to me, abuse, addiction, all of these things that had happened to me, accepting them, recognizing them, putting them in their proper place and perspective now allowed me to have control over my life. And I remember this thrill of excitement of like, for the first time, I get to have the power and the control of my life. And I remember being scared as hell that I was the one in control of my life at this point in time because I had not done a good job (laughs) that far. 
And I was just scared. Like, I didn't have the skills to do everything. I didn't really know exactly what I was going to do and what I wanted to do even. But the thrill and the excitement of understanding and, and accepting this had happened to me and I had been a victim in a lot of these scenarios. And now I get to be the one in control of my life, my life, not anybody else's life, but my life and my decisions. And that acceptance allowed for the personal responsibility to come in, right? Until we accept our lives, we can kind of live in that victim mentality of, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. And when we finally accept what's going on, then we can move forward. If we haven't accepted our life, we remain powerless to change it. That's what the first step is all about. We admitted we were powerless over our addictions and our life had become unmanageable. And then the rest of the steps are about healing and changing and doing the things we can do and help us do those things or give up those things or those barriers or whatever it is of the things that we quote won't do, right? I hope that makes sense. <laughs> when we accept our lives, we come out of victim mentality. We have personal responsibilities of our own life and our own decision-making, and we get to decide what we will or will not do. And so since having this kind of connection moment, working this through with my coaching client, some things have changed for me because I recognized there were some things in my life that I was saying I can't do but realizing that's not the case. That's not the case. It's that I won't do it. It's that I'm scared for whatever reason. It's that I've fallen back into some excuses or thoughts about what I can and cannot do. It's because I haven't accepted the reality of my life and where I'm at. So I've made some changes. I just finished a 30 day media fast where I stayed off of TV and movies for 30 days because there was just a lot that was getting in the way. I was spending too much time there. And there was a lot of things just getting in the way of stuff I wanted to get done. And that has been so good for me to stay off of media for 30 days and to really refocus on some other areas of my life that have been neglected. This year, after thinking about this and kind of going through, I realized I made a goal at the beginning of the year, 2022, that I would take a week off every quarter. Every quarter of the year, I would take a week completely off of work, of coaching, of everything, and I would refocus and get back into my goal setting and making sure I'm moving forward and doing things that I want to do. And you know what? This year I did that. Every quarter I took a week off. One of those weeks I went camping and was completely away from the internet and my phone for five full days. And I am going to make more time to do that because of the changes that it brought for me. I also started to rearrange some of my schedule because like I said, I have complete control over my schedule, a hundred percent. So I started to rearrange some things so that my life is a little bit more manageable and I have time every day to do these other things that I want to do. I definitely have more work to do for sure. I have more work to do. And as I slowly peel back the layers of this can't versus won't attitude, I'm trying also to be gentle with myself. Because a lot of this was developed while I really couldn't. A lot of this mindset was developed 
when I really couldn't do things. I was a child or I was in the depths of addiction where my choices were limited and took everything from me. It took everything from me to do just one thing different, anything different. And so I'm being gentle with myself and recognizing that I developed a lot of that attitude and mindset in a space where I really couldn't do anything. I really couldn't. But it's different now. And rather than shame myself or should myself, I'm being gentle and understanding. And I'm holding myself accountable to this higher level of real change. And recognizing that a lot of this is a won't versus a can't. Okay, I hope you found this helpful today. Remember that you're not stuck because you can't. You're stuck because you won't. And while you might bristle at that today, I hope that that will marinate in the back of your mind and you'll be able to think about what you can do. You can move from can't to can and from won't to will. With acceptance and personal responsibility, that can change for you. Just like it's starting to change for me. And at every layer of recovery, we're going to hit this can't versus won't attitude. And we're going to have to decide if we're going to be willing, like the 12 steps teach us, to do what we need to do in order to have the life that we need, that we want to have. Okay, my friends, no matter where you find yourself today, no matter how far you think you've gone, no matter if you're struggling right now and hate me for what I just said about can't versus won't, I hope that you will remember that you are worth recovery, 100% worth it. You're worth the effort, you're worth the expense, you're worth the time, you are worth it. And if you don't believe that, you can rely on my knowledge and belief until you get there. Remember that I think about you, I pray for you, and I love you. Until next time, Amy. stuff. The mission of Worth Recovery is to dispel shame and build hope in the lives of women struggling with and recovering from sex addiction. I am not associated with any 12-step group, religious organization, or therapeutic clinic. I am an addict sharing my own experiences and recovery.